You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, March 28th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We had an opportunity on Saturday to watch the entire practice. The day before was Pro Day, which proved to be a big day for a couple of the, the, uh, the Notre Dame players, the former Notre Dame players. But Tim, let's start with Saturday's practice, the fifth of the spring. I was observing the defense. You were uh, on the offense. Let's start with you and, and some of your observations from uh, from Saturday's fifth practice of the spring. Yeah, it was one of the more enjoyable ones to watch, right? There was a lot of a lot of competition. Um, we've talked a bit um, in our in our write-ups afterwards about how physical it was, and I know we'll have some questions on that. That's you, you got to have that sometimes, right? There was if, if there was if there wasn't one dumb hit. We wouldn't be, no one would be complaining about how physical it was. It was just, it was a dumb hit by DJ Brown on Lorenzo Styles. And, you know, that's not how, as you said, that's not how you protect your teammate. That's how you attack an opponent, which yeah. sometimes, and Marcus, you know, Green, it's, a, it's hard to transition out of attack mode to protect mode. It's a, and we do have a question on that in the second, second segment. I mean, I just thought it was a split reaction by DJ Brown. And he didn't pull out of that split reaction yeah. soon enough. Yeah. And and uh, Lorenzo Styles, after he rolled around and groaned, and I'm you know I, I'm thinking shoulder at that point uh, as opposed to getting the wind knocked out of him. He it was really interesting to see. He wanted nothing to do with DJ Brown when DJ yeah. Brown tried to apologize for that. But uh, it well, happened. He kind of yeah, it apologize was... physically too, like grabbing his shoulder pads and hitting him on the helmet, like you're a, you're good dog or whatever. It's <laughs> like get your hands off me, man. Right. Like, right. Well, you can me. understand. I mean, you can understand. I mean, that's yes. a, that, yeah. that was a blow. I mean, he got jarred big time. Um, you know. So, but no, I I mean, I don't. I don't think it was overly physical or they're crossing a line. That's kind of, that's a question we'll eliminate here in the second segment, but you know, overall, I mean, like you're overall, I would say I watching the running backs, even though Tyree wasn't out there. I'm like, you know, I, I really like the room replacing Kyron Williams. And obviously it's better with Kyron Williams, but I, I like their options. Uh, Jadarian price is a going to be their fourth running back. And he's not a fourth running back that, that's one no. way. And Audric Estime was always just a curiosity to me. Everybody loved him because he looked so cool coming out of the weight room and the sand. I like the way he ran in this practice. Yeah. I know we're looking five runs, but I he looks like he is no longer curiosity. And even if he's the number three running back, that's a great option. I still know. I still think that he needs to to have more of a north south mentality on virtually every run because yeah, he is a I, big I can, back I go with that. Well, I think no matter what he has, that's just what they're going to need from him. Like it's probably going right. to be, do you want to get 25 snaps today or five? Go north. Right. Side. No, that, that's exactly true. And I, and I totally agree with you on Jadarian price. I mean, that is a precocious freshman yeah. there. That, 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 that kid is, a, is not your typical early entry freshman, let alone, you know, freshman arriving in, in June. So yeah, that was positive. Um, Let's. Is there a group that you like defensively? Was there a group where you thought, "All right, this this was a good practice." No, I, this group, because it is I, this group. It's one practice. I mean, right. I practice. thought the DBs showed better than I anticipated. Tariq Bracy had really a very very good day. He was, <laughs> he was very everywhere. active, and I don't want to. I don't want to. And this is why we're always trying to warn people. Like after a practice report. Like I, I'm watching the defense. Okay, the linebackers and the DBs are down on this end, and the defensive line is down on this end. Yeah. Obviously, I am not going to see every rep, and I know I, I like I like I spoke really highly at, uh, of Jaden Mickey, and I believe I saw video Jack. It might have been yours in which he got 
when she was beaten deep, or maybe it was Notre Dame's, I don't know. But so I, and I didn't see that live. Okay. But I spoke glowingly of, of Jaden Mickey. So, you know, but I thought Bracey was really good. I, I think Ryan Barnes absolutely looks the part of a long, aggressive uh, corner. And, you know, and again, somebody said, well, you didn't comment on, on Lewis. Well, I didn't see anything really to, to comment on, whereas I did with Barnes. Now, maybe, I mean, obviously I'm watching those guys a little bit more because they're new to the equation, not, not Bracey, but, but guys like Mickey and, and, um, <clears throat> and Barnes. Uh, but I like, you know, I liked what I saw back there. I, you can't take every rep, you know, most of these reps, significant advantage to the offense it's one-on-one in the open field and they're motioning and coming out with a burst of speed after the snap of the ball and it's really difficult for the defense but I thought Jaden Mickey was a spunky little competitive corner who got into it with you know credit to Connor Radigan the walk-on receiver who gave it right back to him yeah uh, which tells you why he's part of Kyle Hamilton's podcast maybe a little bit uh, and then, you know, I didn't think that I didn't think Brandon Joseph showed a whole lot during one-on-ones and then they go live in the red zone. And on the first play, he jumps the route and, and, and makes a pick at the goal line. Yeah. That was a really nice pick of Drew Pine. And I, maybe Pine shouldn't have thrown it, but I remember when Pine set to throw, I was like, Oh, he's open. Right. And right. That means Brandon exactly. Joseph made a nice and Joseph. Play. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can see when, when the lights went on, when it went live yeah. and he, uh, um, Joseph also made a tackle like inside the five when they were working red zone. Right. So as soon as the lights went on, he, his game turned on. And, and I thought that was impressive. What Tim, what'd you see from um, the wide receiver core? Uh, I think the transport Porter would be their best friend in the off season. I, I actually was really impressed with the Lindsay Wilkins duo as fifth year seniors. That would be really good third and fourth receivers on Notre Dame's playoff team. Okay. Right. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. And I hope everybody caught that really good third and fourth or fourth and fifth receivers on their name's playoffs. Right. Probably third and fourth to be fair. I think they can become third and fourth receivers, but they are the one and the two right now, or excuse me, the two and the three Lorenzo styles is clearly the best one, but we're putting Lorenzo styles could have a really good year, but we are putting the cart before the horse saying that he is a playoff level. Number one wide receiver as a sophomore. Right. And I don't want to base everything on the playoffs, but if you play Ohio State at USC and Clemson, yeah. I mean, I think those games. I think we can say he's a playoff receiver. I don't know if you can right. say he's a number one. That's exactly it. That's my point. He is definitely Lorenzo Styles would be a tremendous sidekick to a number one wide receiver this year. Right. He may right. be unstoppable in that realm. I, they don't I thought, have that, Tim. And Avery Davis is not a number one playoff wide receiver. No, he's not. No, but but he is a he's a playoff slot. Yep. Yeah, I believe that. And I do think that there's a physical maturity that Lindsay is, is showing. Um, and he had a catch and the, of a lifetime. If you take a picture, look at Irish illustrated, um, the ball or Tariq Bracey's breaking it up for the practice report. Brayden Lindsay catches that ball. Like Jack, yeah. Jack has a great photo. I assume from Macashore that it is just the ball's broken up. Yep. Lindsay's about to hit the ground and he catches it. So it's a great, that's, a, that's an instance where you say great play by the DB. Great Better play than. by the wide receiver. That that does happen. Would what you did agree, you? Though, that like they're they're short on numbers at wide receiver because well Colsey, yeah there's Colsey's been hurt with a concussion that was um and people are gonna say too physical. No, he hit his head on the ground. I guess according to Marcus Freeman. Yeah. So doesn't mean he's not gonna have a good fall, but he's missed. He was just getting back to action in practice number five, so he missed yeah, one third of spring. And please, I mean, I I feel like I please do not 
overemphasize one practice and the glimpses that we get. It's just no. it's glimpses. Which is, I think, when you ask me about the receivers, I want to talk about the offensive line glimpse because for the first time ever, and this is a glimpse, and he's not going to start for Notre Dame. Tosh Baker, I agree, looked good. Yeah, and he's behind Joe Alt for sure, and he's not beating up Blake Fisher. And but the key is Tosh Baker looked good. This is this is all we're evaluating. I'm not saying someone can start, someone can move to guard, someone can do anything. For the first time, he looked like he could play football. And that is an evaluation that goes from he looked like he couldn't play football yeah. to it looks like he can play football. Yeah. Blake Fisher's on a different operating realm, and so is Joel than Tosh Baker. But we, I kept watching Baker and Spindler and Carmody um, and Christophic because those are kind of like the guys like are going to be, oh, let's see how much they improved. And I thought they looked good. Um, I think Spindler has the farthest to go of those four because Carmody played a new position really fared well, right? Yeah, I, I thought he did. Again, that's a that's a, a second segment question, but I thought he showed himself pretty well. My uh, newsflash: Michael Mayer still really good, and still can't be defended. Yeah, uh, and I and I hope that they continue to limit his his reps so he comes out of this okay. Uh, Kevin, Ballman, I was watching the other side of the field during one on one pass rush, and you were watching one on one with receivers and tight ends and corners. And like, oh, uh, Mayer scored again. Yeah. Oh, Mayor scored again too. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mayor scored again. It's like all right, all right. I don't need more Mayor updates. Did, did, did we see um, what, what was it? Uh, Botello in coverage on Mayor and yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> that that's uh, Mayor's going to win that. Mayor's definitely going to win that. Uh, the kickers were good. They each hit yeah. six out of seven. Uh, was around a little bit for Josh Bryan's interview. Did the story uh, this morning, and I was a little bit surprised that. Five foot seven and five eighths, one hundred and fifty pound Blake Groupie. The I thought the football shot off his foot. Yeah, no, they both they both kicked really well. It was a they'll have, they'll have a pretty good kicker this year. I mean, it was a promising. You you can tell, and and it seems like that's what they do. It's not like oh man, Josh Bryant was suddenly good today. It's like those were consistent yeah. kicks. It's in fair warning, fair warning. Before this becomes a a, a critical point all fall. I don't know what they're going to do on kickoffs because I don't think that either one of those guys is going to consistently be able to reach the end zone. I just don't. Now I, I just said that the ball really shoots off Groupie's foot, and and it did. And his, I mean, that's that's for another time, another story. But you know, Brian's kicks, and we noticed this last year, very much end over end, high, a little bit higher trajectory, very much end over end. Whereas Groupie, the, the more conventional, just drive through the football. But they were both very accurate. And, I mean, Brian Mason said afterwards that they've both been at 90%. So 90% is 90%. We saw six out of seven by both of them on Saturday. Uh, that's progress. No punting. Uh, we didn't see any kind of punting or anything uh, along those lines. I the will say that. They're not there I, yet anyway, right? Uh, well, well, I guess that's true. And Sodder there. They're that's probably true. Not doing still, isn't there still a walk-on? Uh, yeah, not. they, they got to have one guy in there because they have to do. Punting. I don't actually. I don't think they do. Yeah, so they're not. They're not working on that. But I thought uh, a couple guy, other guys, and, and Tim, you can name a couple that you that stood out for you. But I think Howard Cross as a three technique is going to be an absolute handful, and you match him up with Jason Adamalola as a duo there. That is going to be one hell of a, a tandem at three technique. Yeah, and you you really get to see how Mike Elston said. I think you asked Elston the question a couple of years ago. What makes him so good? He has he has elite use of his hands. 
he when those pass rush drills, he's slapping guys' arms out of the way, yeah. getting around him. He and I really, think he, I think he has elite first step too, yeah. Which is yeah. what, which was his calling card coming out of high school. So, elite hands and elite first step. I think, I think with him and Jason Adam Malola, I, I think those two are going to be um, really, really outstanding. Um, who else would you want to mention? Offensively, um, I mean, it's 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 striking how good Blake Fisher is in pass protection. It, it's remarkable. It's, he is, form, he's tremendous. I know yeah, Alt, Alt was beaten one time by yeah, yeah. F- Foskey, right? Was it Foskey? It or was did Foskey, Foskey yeah, beat Foskey Fisher? Fisher? Yeah, Foskey got them both, but Fisher got Foskey first, and I, maybe that little bit of a fuse perhaps under, yeah. under Foskey because it was like a total not going anywhere pass protection. Um, I think I mean, I hate I hate to say this because we know he needs to do more in games, but Braden Lindsay had another good practice. I thought Braden Lindsay. And I did. He, he did. Just, no, there's a physical maturity to him, now, yeah. man. And and he's you know he's always had a lot of he's always carried a lot of attitude out there, but I think that he can physically back that up much better than he. Right, like Jaden Mickey had a good practice, and Braden Lindsay ran by Jaden Mickey for a touchdown, beat him by 15 yards. I mean, we we have to notice when the seniors do these things too. And the best part was Mickey came back and broke up the next pass. Right to Lindsay. It was yeah. a slant to yeah. Lindsay. And that, that's what you want to see is the growth there because, but you, we really need to see Notre Dame fans really need to see Braden Lindsay make a bigger impact downfield than he did last year. As we said, it's been since 2019, everything else last year was just this little piddly stuff. That well, and, and has he, I, I mean, I could be wrong here, but has he ever strung together two good games in a row? No, he hasn't. Um, he was <laughs> His final seven games of 19, it was every other game, but he was, he was very good in those other games, right. in every other game right. situation. Yeah. Um, I like what's happening at at safety. I, I love Ramon Henderson's length, Brandon Joseph. Um, you know, again, a very natural football player. Uh, DJ Brown did some good things. Xavier Watts. Brown couldn't have been more around the ball, that's for sure. No, he was definitely around. <laughs> <laughs> he just, just asked Lorenzo Styles. He was definitely around the football. Uh, and then I, you know, I mean, I thought as they started to go more live, we saw less of Houston Griffith at, yeah, at, at at safety. So I think we're we're beginning to get a pecking order there. We're going to talk about all this in segment two, but I do want to touch upon pro day, Tim. Oh, yeah, um, just your observations from pro day, please. Yeah, a winning a win for Kyron Kyron Williams. That's what he needed. He needed to run that time. You kind of figured he would uh, in a pro day atmosphere. The key is, of course, he runs that time so they can erase the theory that he's too slow quote unquote. But the other funny, funny part about it is the things he said, like, I'll never run a 40 again yet. That's what you had to train for this whole time is just such a strange phenomenon for the combine. And I, I didn't obviously didn't challenge him on this, but he did say one thing that I kind of disagreed with. He said he, it was just uncomfortable at the combine. It's a really long day. It's really hard. He didn't feel in the right mind space, all these things. That's the point. That is exactly you're not supposed the point. To feel you've, comfortable. You've you're, got to get yourself in the right mind space. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, I look. I think Kyron Williams, as I said, entered the combine as a NFL playoff level backup running back, which is what mm-hmm. most guys are. And he exited the combine, and he will enter the draft that way, and he'll hit someone's training camp that way. He's just a good football player. Yeah. Um, he looked. He looked awfully lean. That I mean, naturally, we don't normally see them running around in just shorts, but right. he looked really lean. You know, he looked lean, and he was never a four-four guy. He was never going to be a four-four guy. Right. Something in the mid, mid to low four fives is good for him. And like you said, you know, now you can get everybody's attention turned back to the great film that he put out. And he mentioned that he said, the last I have two turned, years. He said, "I have turned the narrative around. That was my goal." Yep. 
no, I would agree with that. Kyle, right. Kyle, Kyle Hamilton did a little bit better on his 40 time. He was expecting more. Yeah. Uh, at 6'4", 220 at this stage of his physical development, I'm not I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Four, four, I don't think he's a four four seven guy. No, uh, I, I don't. I don't either. Maybe I think when four. The balls in the areas. When the ball's in the areas, anticipation makes yeah. him a four three nine guy. That's the most incredible thing about Kyle Hamilton. He, but there's, you could tell when he ran his forty. I watched him run his forty, and I said to um, Jamie from Irish Sports Daily next to me, he looked the exact same speed as Isaiah Pryor, and they were two tenths of a second apart. But mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton, you think of as a Hall of Famer, so you think he looked a little too slow. And Isaiah Pryor, you think, wow, he looked pretty fast. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's you got to kind of that's the takeaway from it. Um, Kyle Hamilton, you, you can't say it doesn't matter because Kyle Hamilton ran a four four seven. Pete Sampson has said this, right? It all top two or three pick in the draft. It all it, 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 <laughs> when it's a when it's a two and a half million dollar difference between it fourth and matter. fifth pick and fifth and sixth. It all matter. Absolutely. It does all matter. No but it won't matter it. to the team that he's on once he's on that team. No, no, definitely not. All right. A whole bunch more. Uh, Tim, any, anything else from Pro Day? I knew Kurt Heinrich had the 31 bench press reps, which is really, Kurt really looks good. To be in very good shape. Kate Madden looks to not be in very good shape. And uh, Kevin Austin still continues to be in the best shape of any human being we see running around out there. So uh, Kevin Austin helped himself with his combine and he wisely just went out and helped Jack Cohn grow. MTA did not, he didn't do bench again. I, no, I wonder I if there's some issue. That's, I mean, yeah. everybody's going to want to know what a D-line bench, D-lineman bench is, right? So right. Although I don't Kyra know if there's an issue point. there. I don't know why we bench either. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they've got to measure you somehow. Man. Measure in, addition you to your, right. in addition to your tape, they're, they're, they're going to, they're spending a lot of money on you, man. They got to measure you somehow. So that guy prefers right. football, I think. over <laughs> Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, burning up the boards. A question from Whining Ben. What was your overall observation of Tyler Buckner on Saturday? This is an interesting dynamic because you asked me midway through practice and I hadn't really thought about it because I thought Tyler Buckner was doing well. You're like, Buckner's having a pretty good day, right? I was like, yeah, he's having a pretty yeah, good day. And, and the reason, and really I, is, I didn't the reason I'm it. asking that is because I'm watching defense. So right, right, right. I am and trying to. Offense, but I think my point is I'm watching offense and I wasn't fixated on everything Buckner did. He was just having a good day. I was like, oh. Like, I think Tyler Buckner is the starting quarterback that throws a nice ball and he's going to get better in two more years than he is now. He'll and be he, had a, he had a couple of like great throws, right? He had a couple where he just dropped him in there. Like, what? And the, I mean, this, this is going to sound way too quarterback coachy that I am not, but the ball spins off his hand. I mean, it moves. It is, it is rotating and moving down the field. And he's going to have some times where he's not. Jimmy Claus in accuracy yet. He's just, that's not yeah. where he is right now. But by, um, but by and large, uh, he was, he was accurate Saturday. Yeah, he, had an, he had an accurate day. He, um he fumbled a snap where he, it was a design role, scooped it up and kept running. I mean, like he kept his, his presence of mind. He, he probably would have been sacked on a Leah foul blitz or maybe it was DJ Brown, but he spun out of it, but it was a quick spin move. You know, he like, he, yeah. he, he, he scrambles to pass. He's scrambling to pass in practice. I guess that's probably the best thing to say right now. He's not taking off running. Remember right. Brian Kelly last year in August? It, every third down looked like a train wreck for Tyler Buckner because uh, 
he just wanted to run to get away on third and eight. Yeah. And Kelly's like, you can't run on third and eight on in our in our scrimmage. <laughs> this is not. Yeah. First of all, he's wearing a red jersey. Second of all, he wasn't right. getting any yards. They're not so going to hit you, so hang in better. there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I think he's taking a step though. I don't. I mean, spin rate counts. Spin rate counts in football. It certainly counts in baseball. And and that's an important aspect of it. When he fumbled that ball, when he started, it wasn't, it was non-contact. And I immediately thought, was it, is it uh, uh, Kenny Pickett that had the small hand size at the the combine, the the kid, the quarterback from Pittsburgh. And I immediately thought, because it was an unforced fumble and he he was really pretty lucky that it bounced bounced right right back up into his hands. And he, then he, you know, followed through with the play, but he had a good day. I mean, and, and again, that's why I say, let's not read when we say that he had a good day. We don't, I'm not saying that he's ready to start against Ohio state. Just take it at face value on Saturday. When we were there for the entire practice, Tyler Buckner had a good day. You know, this is kind of funny. I saw pine on a particular rep get totally engulfed by the pass rush in the pocket. And he completed the pass on a slant, <laughs> but you're like, it was staggering to look down. He was directly below me. I could see the entire pocket collapse around him. He hung in and completed the pass, but you lost Drew Pine. <laughs> lost sight of Drew Pine right. in the pocket, and the ball comes right. out. Now, that's a great play by Drew Pine, but it's also not always going to happen where you lose sight of a quarterback in the pocket, and the ball comes out perfectly for a slant round. It, was, it just kind of reminded me, like, man, he, he does kind of get engulfed in there. He would have to move around a little bit more, I think, too. How would you evaluate his play on Saturday, Drew Pine? I know he had the pick, you know, Joseph yeah, made the great play. A, um, you know how they do tempo. And we talked about, this is a really fun change for people that read our practice reports. They've always done tempo under Brian Kelly to start it. And we like tempo because it's skeleton offense. And we can see <laughs> first, first team, <laughs> second team, third team, <laughs> nothing to do with being fun to watch. It was boring to watch because they're just doing skeleton. Right. They, now do it, count. they now do it mid practice versus a defense. They called tempo. They ran first, second, third string against defense. True Pine's first pass was picked off by Tariq Bracey too. Like it doesn't count because they just get the yards automatically. Right. The whole right. point is just move down the field. I just feel like Drew Pine's uh, upside makes la- lack of huge upside makes it so he can't be a guy that throws 14 picks in a season. Right. But the times that we've seen him practice, he's been interception prone. Yeah. That's why not- I use 14 picks. Like let's right. say 15 right. games started, you're looking at 14 picks. That's not, that can't be Drew Pine. Drew Pine has to be four yeah. picks this season. And I don't, you know, whoever wins the job wins the job. It'll probably be sure. Buckner, but whoever wins the job wins the job. But in a perfect world, you want Drew Pine as the guy off the bench that gives you the spark, right? He's great at it. He'll be great. He'll be very right. good. Right. In fact, I argued with a colleague that he could win any game he comes in in the middle of the game, including right. Ohio State. I don't think he could win the next game necessarily. I don't mean, I don't mean Marshall, but I mean, I don't think if he, if he comes in to save them before Clemson, that he can come in and beat Clemson out yeah. on tape for Clemson and stuff like that. I don't that. know. That That's a, that's a little too far down the line for me to yeah. speculate about something like that. Don't but you I think feel it, like if he just came in any game that just. No, I agree. Just, I, and that's why I think, I, I think that his best asset and best role as the guy that comes in and can spark the offense, if, for whatever reason, it's 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 not moving. Oh, so, it'll, it'll, it'll need a spark on occasion. Yeah, no doubt. Any Davis, too. Has Rocco Spindler put himself in a position to make a move yet? You know, he's just – I mean, he's in position to be a backup guard right now. He's not – I don't think he's as strong as Christophic. Do you think functionally strength on a football field he's as strong I do as not. I do not. No. Um, I mean, I think Kristoffic has the advantage in that he played all those games last year and they love him next to Alt with the communication. 
offensive line is not only your raw talent of your youngest player, and if he could if he could someday play in the NFL or be a great fourth year player, Kristalvi looks better than Rocco Spindler today. I think anyone that goes to practice is that a fair thing? Anyone that goes to practice and watches would say. Yeah. 73 is better than 50. Based upon what we saw on Saturday. And I wouldn't say that Rocco Spindler didn't throw some good blocks because, okay, you're watching offensive linemen. I'm watching defensive line engage with the offensive linemen. And I thought that I thought there were moments where Spindler played pretty well, but I thought he was inconsistent. Yeah, I noted him for a couple of really nice plays, but he wasn't consistent for sure. I mean, I thought Carmody at center played better than Spindler played at guard. And I was trying to watch those three spots, like Carell, Kristoffic, Alt. I didn't watch Alt as much because I kind of know what they're getting from Alt. And then uh, Carmody, Spindler, and Baker. And I was just trying to focus on those watching it. And I, I would say Spindler was the fifth of the five if I was to grade one singular practice. Which right, right, not how you grade an offensive line. But let let me uh, while while you mentioned Carmody, we had a question down here later from MM before Michael Carmody lining up at center is intriguing. I'm sure it's more for depth with Pat Coogan out. Could this be a good move for Carmody in the position, given Harry he stands coaching and development? Yeah, for the future, right? Or I, I, if, again, if the worst I, case scenario presents and Jared Patterson doesn't come back healthy, then you right yeah. now again you probably saw, saw more snaps of Michael Carmody than I did, but I thought he looked pretty good at center. I did too. I, I thought he did a good job, uh, and it's also possible with the you know we got to keep going with Patterson out. Coogan could someday, Coogan's a big guy. He could be a guard someday too. Right. I mean, you moved yeah. him to center because it made sense athletically and you didn't have a center, a third string center last year. Like that's part of the reason Coogan moved. It's not like they were like, this guy's going to be an amazing center. It was, why don't we have Pat Coogan play center? You knew what was happening when he was coming to the program, but I don't think it's like he has to be a center. He could be a guard. Sure. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Interior lines, interior line. Yeah. Um, what did you see from Zeke Corral? I mean, I thought Carell was sharp. Um, getting to the second level, he had a really – he completely sealed Maris Leofau on – now, he was untouched. Snap, out to the second level, sealed Leofau. Run went the other way, but it went for seven, eight yards. I just think when they get their hands on him, it's a different different story. You know, I thought – I thought He's, um, he's just really, better at center than he is at guard, man. He, he is. just is. Yeah. I, I, think, I, uh, I, I don't know that yeah. – I don't know the specific reasons for that. Right. <laughs> this one, this one drill where it's a pass rush, it's a pass rush drill, where all five linemen line up, but only one blocks the guy in front of him. Like they all line up. Mm-hmm. That's a tough pass rush drill for a center because there's not many pass rush situations for a center where you snap the ball and have a guy coming off of a, like only coming at you in a pass rush situation where you can not possibly have any help. Does that make sense? What mm-hmm. if, it doesn't really happen in a game like that. Um, that was the only place I thought he struggled, but I thought Lug struggled there too. Um, we have to remember Lug is four months removed from surgery and playing full go. So I'm sure he'll be better. In and August. we have to remember he's not a very good pass blocker. Also true. But I would think he'll be much better at moving in, in August, right? Is I got you. I got you. A uh, question from Go Iris 3590, which we uh, briefly addressed in the first segment. What's your read on Marcus Freeman's competitive practices? I see the value of ramping up the intensity and compete level, but Styles near miss injury also demonstrates the risks. Yeah, I'm 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 98% all for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I think we're we're taking one yeah. split second decision by a safety, and it, there's not there's nothing there. The the yeah. physicality and the competitive of the competitiveness of the practice 
were good. It was good. It was a spirited practice. It moved quickly. There was yeah. a lot of competition. There was a ton to see. And I think Freeman really wanted to push back right away because he was fully on board with DJ Brown had to be talked to like that. That's not how we do it. Um, but I he pushed back a lot when someone said, you know, what do you feel about Blake Fisher almost getting a fight? Marcus was like, good, good. That's exactly what we want. We're not fighting. We're not actually fighting because that hurts our practice time. Right. But if you have an attitude and you're scrapping with someone after a play, that's football. It happens. If there's 150 snaps in a game, there are 148 when somebody says something to somebody and could fight if they <laughs> let their emotions get away from each other. I mean, it's just, that's what well, happens. May, maybe a little less now that Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams aren't on the field. Yeah, that's day. True. They, they were instigators, weren't they? I mean, that's a, yeah, they could yeah. be. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for the uh, very competitive physical practices, especially when I get to watch them. River Gipper is Lorenzo styles getting looks at punt returner and who else could step in besides the obvious one in Salerno. Well, uh, we did after practice. We did speak with um, with Brian Mason, the special teams coordinator, and he and the the four guys that he mentioned. There was no mention of Lorenzo Styles. Uh, the the two guys. There were two guys he said to have punt returning experience, and that's Matt Salerno and Brandon Joseph. And then he said two other guys are competing, and it's both freshmen, and it's freshmen that we like what we saw of them on offense and defense on Saturday. And that, those are running back Jadarian Price. Um, and Jaden Mickey, the cornerback. So uh, you got some young guys in there, some young guys that have looked good. Uh, Brandon Joseph, a veteran football player that is uh, that is a savvy, proven football player in Salerno who's good at what he does. He's not a breakaway guy, but he's good at, at, at what he does. No mention of styles. I think, you know, I know that they, I know they put Kyron Williams back there last year and he was very important to them offensively, but uh, Lorenzo Styles is so significant to them. At a wide receiver, um, I don't know if that goes into the decision at all, but we didn't see him on Saturday uh, doing that. It was those four guys. I'm going to double up a couple of questions here, Tim, from not Jay to fell one, uh, starting with him with the deep linebacker core. Which player do you think will be the odd man out? And then a question from Denver Maximus. It will be year three of Jordan Batello, and it's still unclear where he best fits on the defense or the ability to stay in control, your thoughts on where and how to best use him. Where do you think the staff might be hoping to use him? Just uh, Tim, the linebacker core. Um, I think, you know, Maris Leofow is a different, as soon as he's out there, he's a difference maker. The trio of Leofow, Bauer and Kaiser is a very, very solid to very good linebacking core. I like it. And I, and I also like, Bertrand as a reserve inside linebacker more so than as a starting inside linebacker which is what remember when we loved JD Bertrand in camp last year he was the third string inside linebacker when we loved him in camp last right. year it was all right. relative he had a good year not a great year he struggled obviously at times in, in well playing in playing in space is just not his forte no. and and we no. saw that again just in certain drills on Saturday but you're right he's an experienced backup guy you can feel very confident putting in there. I know that I know that people would like to hear, you know, they, they want a, a, a better physical specimen than Jack Kaiser at Rover or Sniper. I, they really losing, need to. He's not losing the job. So people no, he no, he is a he is a very good football player, and he's not he's not losing the job. I think, you know, Prince Collie. When Prince Collie came to interviews last week, I thought I, know what you're gonna I, say. <laughs> I don't. I just I don't like the way he looks physically. And then on Saturday. I looked at him in uniform, running around the field. I'm like, 
He's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. I don't know what I saw with him sitting there during interviews, but I thought I thought he looked good. So my answer to the question of who the odd man out is is Jordan Botello. If yes. I mean, if there's an odd man out, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. There's also Nickel. That's why he's the odd man out a little right, bit. Right. 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 But he doesn't. Uh, the one thing Batello would do better than Kaiser would probably be attack the pocket in passing situations or attack scrimmage like that. He's strong against the point too. He doesn't cover better. He's nowhere no. near his assignment sound. He wouldn't be as versatile. Um, I don't think he tackles better. Just hitting people harder, hitting gaps harder, doesn't mean you tackle better. Kaiser's missed. He's credited with two missed tackles, I believe, in every snap he's ever had. I'll go to Pro Football Focus while we're on this. It's I think it's two in ninety-seven chances. And it's off. That's off the charts. Like, that's better than Kyle Hamilton ever had in a stretch. And it's a tough. It, no one's close no, to that. Uh, it's, it's, and White, we're not close to that. It, it's it's tough to have the kind of perception you would like as a player when you follow Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa at a position. I mean, let's be let's be real. He's not going to be that kind of an athlete. But Jack Kaiser is a quality college football player and I don't see anything happening with the starting three that I mentioned Leofow when Leofow comes on the field there's a difference they were working on a huge difference in fact if he wasn't on the field I think you'd not take back what you said about the linebackers but you would go from this is intriguing to they're going to have a big problem if you absolutely. Had to to no, a- absolutely. And I love the, I love the drill. This might be the, the L golden influence. Maybe we miss so many practices. I don't know what they're doing most of the time, but they did do this. You know, I, I remember coaching. One of the things I loved about coaching basketball was you take an isolated portion of the game within the game and you focus on that and practice situations. I, I enjoyed coaching those kind of things. And they did that with the trips to one side and then they would they would adjust the defense accordingly uh oh, and it, it's good it's game? good yeah. pardon me in the screen game you mean with yes exactly yeah exactly it's good practice for the offensive players it's good practice for the defensive players my point being when they did that they would put leofowl over there and he would gum everything up again yeah. and i keep going back to the north carolina game from two years ago he just has that ability to do that. And, I, and I'm really, ex- I'm excited for Bo Bauer because nobody's standing in Bo Bauer's way anymore. Finally, nobody is standing in Bo Bauer's way. And I don't think anybody should. And I don't think there's anybody on the roster that can at this stage, because he's a I, really good football player. I agree with you. And I think that the linebackers next year will be even better as this group. Yeah. Before we get away from them, I do want to mention, I mean, they did some, I, I thought Nolan Z- Ziegler, made some plays in some one-on-one situations. I don't know that it was necessarily against the top personnel, but he did. They used Josh Burnham in some situational stuff coming off the edge. Uh, and and Jalen Sneed, I don't know that I saw anything that really jumped out per se. That doesn't mean that he's not good or isn't going to be good. I just don't think that I saw anything in particular that jumped out Saturday. I did see Barrett Liebentritt. Get open on him. That was kind of fun. Oh, the uh, the lone fullback on the roster. It was, it was a short gain of four yards, but it was fun yeah. that Barrett Liebenger yeah. got open on the, think, on, the number one ranked player coming into the class. It just shows uh, what you have to do to learn. <laughs> Sneed just Sneed needs to he needs to get bigger and stronger. And he, he needs just to be needs... past practice number five in his life. Right. Exactly. 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 We uh, we did skip one, and I think we have thoughts on it. So Wreckers thirty three hot. After the only full viewing of spring, where do you believe Notre Dame needs to hit the transfer portal following the spring semester? I'm glad you caught that. Um, 
Well, you had mentioned defensive tackle, Tim, and and I yeah, nose tackle most, yeah, on the nose, the big guy of the nose. Yeah, interior interior line. Uh I somebody there. I you know, I wide receiver definitely. Yeah. <laughs> wide receiver definitely. I'm it, right. Pardon me? But you have to hit. Now we've that's it, but you have to yeah, hit. Yeah, you right? have to hit. And and I, I know a lot of people would probably say corner or safety. I don't know that that's necessarily true with the good young competition that you have going with Barnes and Riley. I thought Tucker showed some things. We talked about Mickey. Had Bracey transferred, you'd have needed just, I just say that because he was the only guy not to announce. He was yeah. I mean, the way, the way Bracey played on Saturday, I, you don't, you have Benjamin Morrison coming in. Right. Uh, Jaden Bellamy's banged up. So, I mean, I don't know that you, he was back out there, though. Um, Tom Lloyd pointed this out. I think Marcus Freeman was speaking in past tense when he said Bellamy okay. hurt his hamstring, and and he's getting back because he was in our photo gallery. And Tom's like, uh, "This is Jaden Bellamy." Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't see him. Yeah. I didn't see him. But he was at least doing stuff because he was in the right, photo right, gallery. right. And then we have, of course, we haven't even mentioned Cam Hart and Clarence Lewis, who were the most, yeah. the most experienced, along with with uh, with Tariq Bracy. So. I'm not sure. And then when I, I mean, when you look at safety, DJ Brown, Ramon Henderson, Brandon Joseph, Xavier Watts, Justin Walters, I continue to like his physicality. I mean, I'm not really sure that that's essential. And to your point, grad transfer help where they need it the most interior defensive line wide receiver. Yeah. And then if you want to improve your team anywhere else, that's what you're supposed to do nowadays as a head coach. If you can go find somebody that's better than your players, bring them in. But Defensive line, they need a – even if he's a career reserve for a good team or a starter for a lower-level team, they need a 300-pound guy that can come yeah. in and play on the nose to spell Jacob Lacey. That way Howard Cross and Jason Adamiola can just play defensive tackle and what they do best. I, the trio of, of, of Adam Alola, Jason Adam Alola, Lacey, and Cross, I think on the interior – has a chance to be really, really good. I, I, I realize why this may be underestimated at this point, but the injury to Aiden Kanana is significant. They, they loved what he was doing. I, I thought, I thought his lateral mobility was better than I ever anticipated. He's a big, strong kid now. So that the, the torn ACL is, is huge. And I, Gabe Rubio has a great frame. Uh, I don't think Jason Anye looks out of place per se no. and nose tackle. I think we should talk about him. Um, okay. I, and I also wanted, I also wanted to mention um, Tyson Ford at three technique. I, I, he looks the part to me as well with Riley Mills popping inside and outside. So I think there's some promise there, but. I, that's why I say a 22 year old right. transfer that can come play hard level football for 10 snaps a game. It's nose tackle. He doesn't play every snap. You have Jacob Lacey can play 45. That guy can play 10. And the nickel packages play the other 25. It's right. not like, and of course, Rubio, maybe Rubio, as the season progresses, usurps those snaps of, of the guy you bring in. But right away, you don't have a redshirt freshman nose tackle being your number yeah. one option. Yeah. And that that grad transfer, he can be 315. Yes. As yeah, opposed exactly. to 300. That would be even better. That'd be if he better. has some mobility. That's, yeah. That's uh, Tim, thanks for, thanks for uh, catching that. And, um, as far as uh, the transfer portal, Grant Basile, the one of the big men from Wright State in basketball, <laughs> we don't have a question on that, but I would throw that in because Nordheim is definitely 
interested in him. He's not a center per se, but he averaged like 19 and eight for Wright State and looked pretty darn good. And, and Notre Dame definitely has an interest in him. Okay. Uh, back to football. Question from Irish Fire Captain. Overall, what's your impression of the difference of the offensive line run blocking? Does it look the same? Can't tell, or there's something there? Can't tell, except I liked, I was putting this in Monday Musings. My takeaway from the offensive line was that three backups look good. And I have not come away from any practices the last couple of years thinking three backups. That's look a good, good point. They executed a screen for a touchdown with the entire second string offensive line. Pete never and I talked about it. We were sitting there. Have you seen that? Never before? seen that before. No. I mean, it was absolutely perfectly timed. They would have had another one with the first string. Ah, gosh, I can't remember if it's Buckner or Pine, so I'm going to say it's both of them so nobody gets mad. It was a non-athletic throw by the quarterback, and Audric Estime did not help much either with his kind of his angle. They had set up, the first string offensive line had set up a walk-in touchdown, and Josh Lug was about to bury the corner. It was just like the Logan Diggs touchdown last year. And it was set up, and the, I, I, I think it was Pine, but it was, a, it was an unathletic move and then estimated help. The second string offensive line was a gorgeous touchdown, and Logan Diggs looked like he was wearing a force field around him the way he ran it in so easily from 25 years. Yeah, like, yeah he really did. Easily. Yeah, I would – I hope I'm not reading too much into this because I don't want to be that guy. But I think I see a lower pad level coming off from that snap of the football. I was about to say everything I just said had nothing to do with run blocking. So it's good that you said yeah. that. No, I, I I think I see how, how significantly different it is. I don't know, but my, my, the glimpse I have in my mind is that they're coming off the football a little bit lower. We'll see if that, we'll see if that actually translates a uh, question from Donnelly three, four, three, four. What are your observations of Gabe Rubio and Osito Equanu? The Rubio, um, I watched because as I was watching the interior offensive line, there's a lot of Gabe Rubio. And he had a couple of good pass rush reps. I know he had one very good one. Um, it's the first time I've seen Rubio distinguish at a practice. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a good day for him. But That's Anya a big body. That's a big frame. It is. Anya caught my eye more. And again, we're doing lowest possible expectations I had of thinking usually their last, quote unquote, last defensive interior lineman has no ability to get on the field until year three or something like that. He. At one snap, I was watching Spindler. Spindler and Carmody double-teamed Anye, and Anye broke up the pass in 11-on-11. So right there, yeah. that is distinguishing more than a guy like Tiasum or Dude Treadway ever would have when we watched you're, it. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I use this phrase often, but I think Tyson Ford fits the part, man. I mean, he yeah, looks... he was in there, right? He was the three technique. Both the yeah, time. no, he was. Now, you know, I think long-term, he could, he could be a guy that pops, you know, to the yeah. big end position, but... Um, like the way he looked. So I, you know, again, we're, we're, a lot of these things are just impressions. They're fleeting impressions because you're trying to watch at the end of the, at the end of the day, regardless where our eyes are, we can only really see one or two players at a time. Right. All right. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, it's glimpses, it's impressions. When I say estimate doesn't help on a screen. I also caught estimate going to catch the badly thrown screen pass after he probably was maybe he was already open, you know, like I, I, I can't right. see everything. I was looking at, right. at the quarterback and I just thought, man, that should have been completed. But right. yeah, there's little glimpses of, of everything out there. And Jason Anye had a nice glimpse. I have never, I did not think I'd say that. We didn't answer on a Quanu. I did not see a Quanu distinguish. What did you, when you were watching the ends? I, I, I would like to, I, I think that uh, it's necessary 
for him to play hard every snap. Oh yeah. You did mention it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not, the image in my mind is that I didn't see him playing hard every snap. I remember again, him rushing against that's Blake. Not, but again, that's unfair because I didn't see 30 snaps of, of Cedar Aquanu. I probably saw three or four. And you're right. You and I talked about the one snap we saw against Blake Fisher in a pass protection drill. And you can guess how that went if you're listening to Irish Illustrated Insight. Well, how about the, uh, was it a Battelle pass rush against, was it Alt? And it, it was, was like, Battelle just kind of bailed on it because... He knew it wasn't happening. <laughs> the one place I cannot envision Jordan Patello having success, because I think he could be a really good package linebacker helping Notre Dame out and a kick on coverage. And even if he just maybe even played Mike next year, he might be able to, other than you have to call the defenses and everything. Just his physicality. I cannot see him playing Viper coming off the edge and, and making plays. Because I've never seen it once in, in two springs and, Augusts. No, didn't see it last spring, certainly. And we've we've seen this one practice. Ohio Irish 715. Do you think Notre Dame turns Jason Moore away if Bubakar Treyor commits before him? I, I would hope not. I don't okay. think so. I I don't you can't turn Jason Moore away. No. I, first of all, I mean I think they're they're slightly different players. I, I think Jason Moore is a defensive end in high school that will be a big interior defensive tackle and Treyor, I love this. I love this kid's film. I, I think that he can be a, a big, a, a strong side end. I think he can be a defensive tackle, but I think you give him the first look at strong side end because he's so quick off the snap of the football. I don't think Notre Dame, no. who the hell's in a position to turn down Jason Moore. I don't think I don't anybody's think in turning it. Turning down too many guys you think can help you anymore with the transfer portal because Guys are going to be unhappy and leave, even if they're mildly unhappy, because they can go play somewhere next year. Right, immediately, yeah. Brian Kelly turned away too many decent players. When you hear the stories on the outside looking in, for for a logical guy that should have known, I never know that 85. I don't need to turn someone down right here. You never need to turn down someone that can help you in college football anymore. Notre Dame will never, ever be over the limit, ever, no matter what. Ever. <laughs> There's no reason to turn down someone that can help you. The weird position of quarterback, I guess, is you don't want to bring in a couple of quarterbacks in a class just to guarantee you somebody else is leaving. But I still think that's healthy. You guarantee the yeah. worst one. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't turn away either one of these players. Not, not Jason Moore. I love Treyor's upside. I love his versatility, his quickness off the yeah. snap of the football, his demeanor. Uh, they both should be in a Notre Dame uniform next year. They both would look good in a Notre Dame uniform um, the, following, the following cycle here. Question from Irish Gambler. Lots of praise for Jadarian Price early on. Is he more Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree, or does he compare to someone else? Yeah, someone else, right? I mean, he's Kyron Williams is unique. Well, he's, he's more Diggs than I mean, yeah, either of those other two. He's more Diggs than anyone. He's, he reminds me of Diggs. If yeah, I have I agree. a recent Notre Dame player, he's, he reminds me of Diggs. Um, I'd like to see him turn one loose to see if he could remind me of Dexter at all. Dexter Williams is fast, man. I don't care what his. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't know that Jadarian Price is ever going to run quite that fast. But I, you know, I think him and Diggs have a chance to be some, you know, really well-rounded, complete running backs. Kyron Williams is completely unique, and Tyree's a burnt. Tyree's a yeah. Tyree's you know Tyree's probably never going to be a you know, ultra physical guy that can. So now I'd say he's more like Diggs. I think Jadarian Price looks good. I remember the first time I saw a film of him in high school and I, I just wasn't blown away by that. 
And then you saw his senior year and it's like, holy yeah. cow, this kid's really, really developing. He's a, he's going to be a good football player. Notre Dame. So this is going to Monday musings, but I think listeners will enjoy this. We watched a pass protection play by Jadarian Price where he was on the right side of the pocket, saw Tosh Baker get beat. I believe it was Tosh Baker on the left side, came across and picked up. Nice. I was like, well, that's a good promising development because there's only two things that can keep him off the field completely. Lack of pass protection and not understanding the playbook. And yeah. he clearly yeah. had part of it down there. Yeah, and again, he probably got beat 27 times in the practice I didn't go to, but that was a beautiful <laughs> play by Jadarian Press. We'll wrap up here today with uh, with a basketball question from Irish from A2. Your thoughts on Notre Dame being the last team in the men's basketball tournament when they took second place in the conference. It had three teams in the Elite Eight and two in the Final Four. I think we can remove the latter part right now because they had nothing to do with that, how they were slotted. But we found it weird, remember, when Notre Dame and Duke were tied going into the last week. Notre Dame lost one more game at that point. That Duke could be the number four team in the country and Notre Dame could be the 61st with the same record in the same conference. And I know your schedules get weighted differently, but that is nonsensical, that disparity. Notre Dame was one of the best 50 teams in the country this year. And by the end of the year, they were one of the best 16. Duke was one of the best 10 all year. And right now they are clearly one of the best four and they're favored to win it. Actually, if you look, if you look at Las Vegas, they know a little more than all of us do. I want to go back to one thing before we talk about the Elite Eight and Final Four. The ACC was judged the only way it could be judged, but it's flawed by November and December non-conference games. You don't think Miami, Notre Dame, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and someone else can improve and other teams can go down since those games are played? Like, of course they can't, right? I think North Carolina isn't going to get better. You see those players on that team? Like, <laughs> It's just, it's hard to judge non-conference matchups in the regular season. Well, I got into a Twitter scuffle, which I am so apt to do uh, over the weekend because, you know, so three ACC teams make the Elite Eight, and now in the one plus one equal two evaluation of college basketball, meaning the the, the last – just because, I mean, we're, we're going to, we're going to say, we're going to all of a sudden we're going to say that the ACC wasn't up to par during the season because North Carolina and Duke made the final four. I mean, that can happen any year, any time, every year, every other year. In the history of both teams. both right, exa Exactly. The ACC we have observed for three years has been on a downward trend. Yeah. The, the 10 teams, 10 through not sorry, the bottom 10 teams. So there's a 16 in the league, 18 in the league. They are not, they were not at all. They were, there were, there were seven bad basketball teams in the ACC. And this even year. A decent team like Syracuse just isn't what you're used to seeing from Syracuse. You know, it's not, that's supposed to be a, uh Oh, Syracuse in the tournament. Here comes a sweet 16 run. If not elite eight, because right. they're a bad matchup for everybody. Like you're the one plus one equals three thing. It's driving me crazy. So Virginia tech stinks. They're the ones I, I, who lost in the first round. Did they not belong in because Texas beat them? I, I have a problem with the knee-jerk reaction to what happens in sports. It just, it just, it just it dry, it drove me crazy to the point where I got involved in a, in a Twitter argument over the weekend. <laughs> but, I mean, you, do, you can't. Save your arguments for the Irish Illustrated Four Horsemen Lounge. I, I, I know. I, look, I, I know. I, but, hey, um, 
I mean, give Miami Miami beat Auburn. Miami beat USC. They're playing. Yeah, they're playing good. They're playing good basketball. They have an excellent, excellent coach, and they were playing some of their better basketball. That does not change the fact that the ACC underwhelmed most of the season. They just, they just did. I, you know, and we we go through this. We go through this every year because. This guy hates the Big Ten, and so the Big Ten. To, I mean, you, yeah. you can't tell me that the you tell me the Big Ten wasn't good during the season. Did you watch the Big Ten play? Right. I mean, it, it was a good conference, and then they 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 were they didn't play well in the NCAA tournament. I, I just they, well, Michigan, they, Michigan did play well, and Michigan was a train wreck half the year when you watch Michigan. Right. Play during, right. Michigan played awfully well in the tournament. The, the ACC has gone, and my and my you know my point being that. Virginia didn't make the NCAA tournament, and that's been a powerhouse. Louisville's generally in the top five in the ACC. They were terrible. Florida State, for whatever reasons, the injuries had a lot to do with it. They weren't close to being what they were, and you mentioned Syracuse. Just because we want Notre Dame's second-place finish in the ACC to be justified doesn't mean that the ACC isn't down. Plus, Notre Dame, we can't, Notre Dame got good at the end of the year. You, you, when, if you want to, we're trying to be objective in analyzing it. And the people that are criticizing are saying that we're not being objective. Well, you, you want Notre Dame, you want Notre Dame second place finish to be justified. The ACC is down, man. It's not playing as good a basketball as it was, but Duke is Duke. North Carolina, you and I talked about being an AC. They should never, no blue blood should ever be an eight or nine seed. Incredible. I can't you, imagine being the one seed like, oh my gosh, what are you right. doing this, man? That right. Is, I mean, that's uh, that's going to be a heck of a game too, going back to the more positive thing. The Duke-North Carolina possible Coach K last game. And I bet on Duke in February to win it all, and I am now at the point where I have to sell my soul and want the money more than root for Duke to lose. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it, but I'm no longer conflicted. I want Duke. I'm rooting for Duke, but that means they won't win. Kiss of death for everybody. So at least I've done some good to the basketball world by rooting for Duke and reverse curse. Maybe it, maybe it's unfortunate that uh, North Carolina and Duke can't meet in the championship. Yeah, championship. I don't know for an ACC for an AC all ACC battle. Kansas is playing very good basketball. They they weathered the storm yeah, early on yesterday. Back. Yeah, they're 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 really good. So it'll be fun. But I, you know, look, I I don't cheer. For, for or against conferences, I don't care. That's other weird. Than, Only the SEC does that. Don't ever. Do well, that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, other than as it relates to Notre Dame and ACC, I don't care which. I'm trying to be objective about which conference I think is good and which one isn't. And ACC hasn't been playing real quality basketball the last three years, in my opinion. So, um, that's all we have. Jack, are we going to do? Uh, are we going to? We're going to come back on. When are we coming back for our next podcast? I thought you were doing Friday. Okay, point. we're gonna do all right. Let's let's go ahead and do Friday. We are going to be without uh, Pete Sampson for a couple podcasts here, but he will be back sooner rather sooner rather than uh, later. And uh, until then, we won't have a we won't we'll have an opportunity to observe what Thursday's practice, Tim. Uh, Saturday. Not not Thursday, or is that the following Saturday. week? A little bit of yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Well, we'll get together and talk more Nordic football now that we've had an opportunity to see a full practice, and we will continue. Um, to have interviews with the uh, the assistant coaches and the players. So we'll be back on Friday, April 1st to talk Nordic football and probably a little bit of Nordic basketball in the process 
as well. We appreciate you joining us today, Tim. Thank you. And we'll be back on Friday. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. <laughs>